Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to Hope for Today. My name is Naja E. Brown, your host, and we thank you for your support and participation. Hope for Today is an outreach program of Yield to the King Ministry, and our hope and prayer for our listening audience is that you hear something that is encouraging, life-altering, or prompting you to study the Word of God. We welcome your comments anytime, and you can reach us through our website at www.yieldtothekingministry.org. Well, welcome to today's episode entitled, Women, God Uses Unique and Ordinary People. And I think as women, we know that, but it's always nice to be reminded. This is actually the first episode that I've done that would be considered gender-specific. But let me just say this, the Word of God can touch any and all of us. If I have women or woman in the title, there's something that I know men can glean from this lesson also. So I just want to say that. So women, God uses unique and ordinary people. Let me read our promotional material. Women are unique. God has given us great responsibilities. Just think, We get to experience being daughters, sisters, wives, mothers, aunts, and grandmothers. God's word graciously instructs us on widowhood, modesty, conduct that is becoming an authority. What is required of us to realize God's plan for our lives? Short answer, God's wisdom and a heart of obedience. Years ago, I memorized this scripture. The wise woman builds her house but the foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. That's Proverbs 14 and 1, the New International Version. That verse sums it up. It speaks volumes. Women, we can either build our house or tear it down. Which will it be? I happen to be teaching a Bible study at my church. It's a six-week study. The pastor asked me if I would do this. And I decided that I would teach for six weeks on women of the Bible. I didn't choose some of the traditional women like Eve, Sarah, Rachel, um, you know, Ruth, Naomi. I decided to go with some that maybe we're not as familiar with. And the list is not exhaustive, but it is six. And we're going to do four women out of the Old Testament, two women in the New Testament. So we've already looked at uh, Miriam, and we looked at Deborah. We're going to look at Hannah. And we're going to look at Abigail, and then the two women in the New Testament are going to be the poor widow, and then we're going to look at Priscilla. So today I want to talk about Miriam. I want to talk about Miriam, who was the older sister of Moses and Aaron. She lived through a major transitional period of history. Her work was to assist in the organization and building of the infant nation of Israel. Israel transitioned from the patriarchal system where God dealt with the heads of the family to the national leader. The Israelites were in Egypt because of Joseph being sold into slavery. God had a different plan for Joseph. God raised him up to a position of prominence, good fortune, and wealth. Now, famine drove Jacob's family to Egypt, and that's where they stayed. Pharaoh was feared. He became fearful Uh, Because the Hebrew population was growing, not only in numbers, but also in power. So he decreed the death of all Hebrew boys. 
and that's found in Exodus chapter 1, verse 2. Thus, Moses' parents hid him, and Miriam was stationed nearby. So we have an account of uh, Moses, you know, being, uh, his mom gave birth, and he was a beautiful child, according to scripture, and uh, she could no longer hide him because he was growing, and so she took a basket and coated it and put him inside of it and told his sister Miriam to stand at a distance to keep an eye on what was going to happen. And so one day Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and and her attendants were walking along the riverbank and she saw the basket and uh, among the reeds and she sent her female slave to get it. And when they opened it up, there was the baby. He was crying. And so she felt sorry for Moses. His name wasn't Moses at the time. So this is, she said, she looked and she said, this is one of the Hebrew babies. So then his sister, Miriam, who was standing up far off, uh, put herself in a position where she was able to ask Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go get one of the Hebrew, Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? And she said, yes, go. And so the girl went and got Moses's mother, the baby's mother. And, uh, Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. And then uh, Exodus chapter 2, verse 9, and then in verse 10, it says, when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. So Miriam, let's talk about her qualities. So I would say that she is dependable because uh, Miriam's mother told her to uh, to, to watch over the baby in the basket. She entrusted her care, uh, Moses, in, in her care. And then Miriam also was quick to think. Uh, she thought very quickly on her feet. She sized up the situation and was able to discern the proper course of action at a critical moment. Now, the baby had been discovered, and so she approached uh, Pharaoh's daughter and said, should I go get the, uh, a Hebrew woman to nurse the baby? And so we, we just heard the story, and that's what happened. So she said just enough, but not too much, and then she asked a simple question. And then, by right, Miriam was a leader and a prophetess, and she was uh, uh, involved in and a part of one of the most moving and dramatic events in sacred history. She was able to participate in how the Israelites passed miraculously across the Red Sea. So those are Miriam's qualities. She was dependable, quick to think, and she was a leader and a prophetess. And this is just a few. Now, this is not an exhaustive study. Then if we move to Exodus chapter 15, verse 20 and 21, Miriam and Moses had a song that was, is considered a song of the redeemed. So they were actually rejoicing over what the Lord had done. And in this chapter, in verses 20 and 21, Miriam this is what Miriam says. Miriam the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took the timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dancing. Miriam answered them in verse 21, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and his rider he has hurled into the sea. So here Miriam is, is rejoicing, and she's exalting the Lord, and they're praising with uh, musical instruments, a timbrel, and also with, with dance. And so she is saying, he, God is worthy to be praised. If we move to Numbers chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, we've got a different account. Now there's a little, another side to Miriam that we're going to get to learn about. Then Miriam and Moses spoke against Moses' 
because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us as well? And the Lord heard it. Then if we continue to read in Numbers chapter 12, verses 3 through 16, it says, Now the man Moses was very humble, more than any man who was on the face of the earth. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses and Aaron and to Miriam, You three come out to the tent of meeting. So the three of them went out. Verse 5 says, Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the doorway of the tent, and he called Aaron and Miriam. When they both had come forward, he said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, shall make myself known to him in a vision. I shall speak with him in a dream. Verse 7 says, Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my household. With him I speak mouth to mouth, even openly and not in dark sayings. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant, against Moses? So the anger of the Lord burned against them and he departed. Verse 10 says, but when the cloud had withdrawn from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous, as white as snow. As Aaron turned toward Miriam, behold, she was leprous. Then Aaron said to Moses, Oh, my Lord, I beg you, do not account this sin to us in which we have acted foolishly and in which we have sinned. Verse 12 says, Oh, do not let her be like one dead whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes out, comes from his mother's womb. Verse 13 says, Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, O oh God, heal her, I pray. But the Lord said to Moses, if her father had but spit in her face, she would not bear her shame. For, would she not bear her shame for seven days? Let her be shut up for seven days outside the camp, and afterward she may be received again. Verse 15 says, so Miriam was shut up outside of the camp for seven days, and the people did not move until Miriam was received again. Verse 16 says, afterward, however, the people moved from Hazroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. So here we have another account. So we've got Miriam. We talked about her quality. Uh, her quality. She was dependable, quick to think, a leader and a prophetess. Then we moved to her rejoicing and encouraging the other women to dance and play and, and their timbrel in their hand and rejoice over God's miraculous work of parting the Red Sea so the children of Israel could uh, Israel could um, crossover and then now we have an account of her and her brother murmuring so and god rebuked them god heard them and he rebuked them so miriam's sin was that she spoke against her brother she decided to make her opinion count where it really didn't you know she showed disagreement or discontent with moses's choice of a woman a cushite woman and, uh, you know, I, I, it, it's been said that there was some prejudice and maybe discontentment because of uh, this, this, who this person was ethnically, but it was murmuring. Let's just consider it murmuring and complaining. And Miriam's real opposition and re- resentment was Moses' superior authority, an authority and a position that God had given him. So Miriam, through her words, and planting of uh, oppositional seeds really intended to weaken Moses' power and strengthen her own position. 
And ultimately, her sin was rebellion against God's ordained authority. And you have to say and look at the situation and say Miriam's sin was probably rooted in envy. The question is, why did she envy her brother Moses? And then ultimately, as with all of us, sin is a heart condition. She tried to accuse Moses in order to promote her own ambitious desires, and then her punishment was pretty severe. She was banned from the camp for seven days. She became a leper. And um, I love the fact that Aaron, though, beseeched his brother. He went to Moses and said, please don't hold the sin against us. So he didn't throw her under the bus and say against her. He didn't separate himself from the murmuring that she and he both partook in. So I love that, the fact that he was willing to be a part of uh, Miriam's sin. But he also was going to Moses saying, can you at all, can you at all um, intercept this, cause it maybe to to, to be shortened and – So I love the fact that he was there to stand with Miriam, even when she was caught in sin and was suffering from her sin. So sin had to have been festering in Miriam's heart, and she acted upon it. Her sin directly affected the others, all of of Israel. The activities of 600,000 families were at a complete standstill for seven days. I did some research and found out uh, how many people left. You know, they were numbered and so on and so forth. Uh, The whole nation suffered not the guilt of the sin, but rather the consequences of Miriam's folly. And I love, like, again, I said, her brother reacted. He begged God's forgiveness on her behalf and petitioned God for her healing, and she was restored in seven days. So in closing, what sort of choices, ladies, women, are we making? Are our husbands and families a priority? How do we impact our families, friends, relatives, colleagues, and associates? Is it in a positive or negative way? Do others suffer because of our sin? You know, our consequences spill over into their lives. Rebellion against God's agent is rebellion against God. Do we complain and badmouth our husbands, pastors, president, governors, employers? We know that all authority belongs to God. Civil power over citizens is talked about in, in Romans chapter 13, Verses 1 through 5, where we're supposed to be submissive to governing authorities. And then we have that elders uh, uh, preside over the flock. They're, they are responsible. The pastor is responsible for the flock, and the elders come alongside the pastors and help. That's a relationship where God's agent is, is over us. Husbands and wives. In First Peter chapter 3, verse 1, it talks about wives being submissive. And I know that's a word that people don't like, but it says submit yourselves to your own husbands. And then parents and children, there's a relationship where parents are supposed to obey their children in the Lord. That's found in Ephesians 6, chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. And then master over servant. And if you don't like those two terms, then how about employers over employees? And that's found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5. Today, ladies, let's make the decision to build our house as wise women. Wise women. After all, the passage says, Hebrews uh, uh Proverbs 14 and 1, that a wise woman builds her house and a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. Let's not be the foolish woman who tears her house down with her own hands. And with that, may God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and give you peace. We'll talk again in a couple of weeks. God bless you. 